Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, April 12th. Be more concerned with understanding others than with being understood by them. They too then will usually give you their support. I was talking with a friend yesterday who has lived in the Ananda communities of just a few years less than I have. In other words, you know, some 40 years of community residence, a married couple, and They've had a number of different jobs through the years. Uh, much of the time they've spent being privately employed, um, doing uh, gardening and, and building and so on. Just a lot of different jobs in lots of different ways. And we were talking about money. The question came up about how much is enough and what do we need and so on. And my friend made a very interesting comment. She said, people think they need money, but what they really need is a team. And I just, it was just an interesting way to think about it because we often talk about family or spiritual family or um, just different ways of putting that. We even talk about friends, which of course is the same, I mean, it all kind of blends in together. But she was talking not so much even for security, but to accomplish things, she said, what you need is a team. And I really have just been reflecting on, it's such a simple thought, isn't it? You know, a few people who can work together. Uh, Swami Kriyananda was fond of pointing out, being a, a much more observant and well-informed student of history than I am, he talked about how many times a major change in society or a major social or political or artistic event was not created by one individual, but it was created by a small group of people working together who are in tune with the same idea. He talked about the Renaissance art, the Impressionist painters in France, the Renaissance artists um, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci and others in who were in Italy, the Impressionist painters in France, the Transcendentalist writers who were in New England in America, the um, Soviet Union, the revolution, the communist revolution was a very small percentage of people, but they were people who were working together the Cluny Monastery, which had a tremendous effect in, you know, in the, uh, the, uh, the 11th century in, uh, in France that, that started an entire reform movement that went all through Europe and through England to completely revitalize and, and to a very large extent reinvent monasticism in the Catholic Church. It started with 12 monks. Twelve men working together who had a common ideal. So Ami puts that forward also in talking about Ananda and how we too are a small group of people working together for a shared ideal. He had a very interesting picture with that. He talked about how society generally, um, you know, just follows a track and everybody falls in line behind the parade and just kind of follows the parade in one direction. The river flows in a certain way. And then, at times, a small group of people move outside of that flow and they create a vortex a little bit off to the side. And then gradually, over time, society itself 
is the river of society is rerouted through that through that vortex and that becomes the new stream. I myself have lived long enough and have been part of a, a, a leading edge, <laughs> either we're the cutting edge or the lunatic fringe. I personally have preferred to identify as the lunatic fringe. I think it's more colorful and more interesting. <laughs> and also it, I think it, it, keeps, uh, it keeps pride you know, it, in, in check. Not that I've ever felt any pride with this, except the, 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 the pleasure, that's what I would call it, of doing something I believe to be meaningful. But I've been in this, this movement, whatever you would call it, back since 1965, when it, I'm mean, just vegetarianism, which was just completely unheard of at the time. A friend of mine at that time in our little circle of friends who were all learning about meditation and spirituality and healthy living in all sorts of ways, he worked, he was an accountant for uh, General Mills, and I don't know if what the, what the corporate structures are now, but at that time General Mills made Wheaties and Cheerios and shredded wheat and I, I don't know all the names, but all of the dry cereals that were very popular growing up as children. And he said it was actually a fact that when you got the cereal box, the box of cereal, you should throw away the cereal and you should cut the cardboard box into little pieces and put it in a bowl with milk because he said there was as much food value in the box as there was in the cereal. And what little food value there was in the cereal was just the um, vitamins that had been added in. In other words, it was so devitalized that the real food value of it just simply wasn't there anymore. Now, was he being literally true or was he just joking? He said he was being literally true. I really don't know. But at that time, to say such a thing was just, people just thought we were crazy, you know, just sort of advocating for this. And when I started in all of this sort of thing, I had to make everything myself. There was, you couldn't, you couldn't go to the store and buy real whole grain bread. You couldn't buy, um, well, I mean, I've made my own ice cream, not that ice cream is that healthy, but even just Anything that you wanted to be made out of pure, wholesome ingredients, you just couldn't find it, except there were these tiny little health food stores, and they were mostly vitamins. And there was very little that was fresh or homemade there. You know, gradually I made my own yogurt, I made everything, because it just simply didn't exist. I did that for years. When I first moved to Ananda, I ran the kitchen, I made everything myself. There was just no choice in the matter. Nowadays, you know, it's not a question of whether vegetarianism is good. It's whether or not you have to be a vegan and whether you have to be a locally sourced <laughs> vegan. And it's just, and it's just, it's, it's common. Now, I do live on the west coast of California, so I'm not talking about the whole globe, but I'm talking about the west coast of California, which is often the leading edge of the whole world and has been, will it continue is another question, but it has been the leading edge of all of these new consciousness movements. And meditation itself was considered unthinkable. And now it's being adopted all over the place. It keeps changing its form. Mindfulness is the one people like the most because it still avoids that sticky question which is called God. You, you can sort of meditate, but you don't really have to talk about God if you're, if you're being mindful. I'm, I'm all for it. But what I'm saying is that a small group of people get together. And we were a very small group of people. I don't just mean Ananda, I mean my, my kindred spirits. And we were, we, were a, we were a global energy that just 
rose out of seemingly out of nowhere, and and gradually all of society has moved over to where we're standing. Just as simple as that. And now, as I say to my friends, guys, we've got to move over. We've got to move farther out again. If the world as a whole catches up with this, we're we're still we still have a a reality that is exceedingly different than the average reality. You know, our belief in in righteousness and the power of righteousness, not dogmatic, my righteousness is not is your is not yours, but I mean true Sanatan Dharma is a is a revolution that is still waiting to happen. And the mere fact that a lot of people now believe they should meditate is not the same as as the world really adopting the values of Sanat and Dharma. We have, we have a long way to go in that. But the whole point that I was coming to is my friend talking about you need a team, you know, a team of people. I, f- I, I really don't know how people get along without community. Community has been such a, a, a brilliant and wonderful part of the life that I've lived. And Swami Kriyananda has asserted, in, uh, notably, in, well, in several books, but one he wrote called um, hope for a better world. And hope for a better world is the small community solution. When Yogananda was alive, he constantly urged his audience, pool your resources, those of you, who, you know, find like-minded, high-minded friends, pool your resources, get land in the country, grow your own food, live simply. And Ananda has been a, a, a big experiment, a big successful experiment in the power of community. It's, it's sort of a joke with me. There's about a thousand of us, and that's all. There's about a thousand of us around the world who live in community. I mean, that is, that's a number so small you can't even see it statistically. But so were the 12 disciples of Christ. So were the 12 monks of Cluny. So were the Renaissance painters. So were the French Impressionists, to name just a few. So were the Bolsheviks, actually in Russia, but people who are agreed and move in harmony for a high ideal, however they define that, um, often have an impact way beyond, way beyond what um, you would think if you were thinking only in mechanical terms and not in terms of magnetism. So Swami says here, be more concerned with understanding other people and they will in turn give you their support. And this is what he's talking about. He's talking about how you build a team, how you, how you develop friendships, how you develop not merely uh, alliances, a friend of mine, because at the same time that consciousness is rising, consciousness is also sinking, because we're in a time of extreme polarization. But of course, often before change takes place, is there is extreme polarization, there is enormous tension, that attention, intention, tension, that tension often explodes, and then after the dust settles, something else happens. And my belief is, this is my belief backed by prophecy, by those who have a greater right than I do to say these things, that the tension that's building, unfortunately, will explode. It doesn't take a prophet to see that. People are just trying hard, and now it's already, at least in America, beginning to break out on the streets. I mean, I don't say these things. I can say this just sitting in this chair, but these are chilling, absolutely chilling things to consider. But there's 
there's an explosion building. And after it's done, this is what Master said, people will be so worn out by the chaos created by wrong attitude that there will be finally an awakening. And then movements like ours, ours is not the only one, thank you God, we're not the only ones, or necessarily even the best one, it's just mine. Uh, Movements like ours, um, I believe, will endure through the chaos. And people will turn and say, oh, that's a good way to live. That's what I wrote in the preface to the biography I wrote of Swami Kriyananda. It's called Light Bearer. It's a very interesting book. If you're interested in anything I've said, you'll be interested in the book. In the introduction to that, I said Swami Kriyananda, through his 150 books and his incredibly prodigious creativity over 60 plus years of service to the world, has outlined an entirely new way of life based on the premise that happiness comes from inner attunement with God and from working together as friends. And as I write in that book, nowadays almost no one cares, but the path we're on is is going to self-destruct, either globally or individually or both. And when it self-destructs and people begin to look for an alternative, I think they'll be delighted to discover that the map has already been drawn. So, coming back to Swami's small comment here, which is not small, be more interested in understanding others than being understood by them. How do you win the support of people? Swamiji's comment was about Ananda. He says, one of the purposes of our communities is to show people what true friendship looks like. Friendship based on shared ideals and a genuine concern for other people's welfare. Not for what you can get from them, but a genuine concern for other people's welfare. And he said, then everything else, cooperation, um, harmony, closeness, friendship, love, everything else follows automatically from that. Just make this your premise. Try harder to understand other people than to demand that they understand you. One of my uh, peers, who was finding herself suddenly having a boss and, and co-workers who were decades younger than her, lamented, she said, in my, my generation, her generation, she said, we made relationships with our co-workers. She said, what I see people doing now is making alliances. You make alliances, which is to say it's, it's mutually understood that, you know, if it serves me, I'll support you, and if it serves you, you'll support me. But when it stops supporting, it stops serving either one of us in our personal goals, whatever we're trying to accomplish, then it's agreed that the alliance is off. That's not friendship, that's not relationships, that's pure selfishness. And unfortunately, that's where we are right now. I'm not going to be an old woman here lamenting the next generation, because it really isn't generational, it's just human nature. But let's not be part of that movement. Let's be part of a solution instead. Swamiji says, Be more concerned with understanding others than with being understood by them. They too, then, will usually give you their support. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.